the preaching of the law is always for the purpose of bringing people to the gospel. That's what the law is. It's a tutor to bring us to Christ. And so, so uh, Paul teaches us. So all, always, all the time, uh, the, the whole purpose of the law is to bring people to the first part of repentance, contrition, and, and then the gospel comes in for the second part, that is faith. So if we don't have the gospel there, then we are not doing what God has called us to do as ministers, as ministers of the gospel. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline, and I'm here with everyone's favorite co-host, Pastor Brian Wolfgang. All right. Good morning, Evan. Good morning. How are you today? Fine. Yourself? Oh, just dandy. Just rolled out of bed, ready to do some Table Talk Radio, then go back to bed. <laughs> good plan. We have a good <laughs> show apparently planned, but uh, you have to tell everyone what the plan is. Oh, okay. Uh, the plan is we're going to be starting out uh, hitting your listener email and talking about some of the posts you've had on our forum lately, some good discussions and questions coming out of that. And then after that, uh, the next segment, we're going to be doing a bumper sticker theology. Um, I like this game, bumper sticker theology. I get to uh, go on the internet, look for some bumper stickers. Because um, even though gas is cheaper, I don't want to drive around and, and find the bumper stickers. I just want to look them up on the internet. <laughs> And then we're playing Name That Theologian. And then last but not least, if we have time for it, we're going to play this game that we haven't played in a long while. It is What's in Your Pastor's Library? Yeah, I'm recording uh, in my study at church uh, today for, for the first time in ages. I don't know how long it's been. So so now we have this uh, option to play this other beloved game because it, like all the best games on Table Talk Radio, requires no show prep at all. Yeah, your your uh, studio was formerly in the uh, guest room of your home, which your guests didn't appreciate at all. Yeah, that's right. My in-laws are staying there this morning, so uh, <laughs> I had to relocate. Hey, but look, we got to get to this first email. I've been waiting for this. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read this email? Oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, okay, well, uh, well, why don't you explain what the email is in response to first? Um, I can't remember. The John Tetzel thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, we did this. Uh, did you do? Did you do it? Uh, a, a little um, thingy that comes in between the segments, saying that uh, uh, just like John Tetzel raised money to build St. Anne's, we're raising money to uh, uh, to keep the show on the air. And uh, but instead of giving you an indulgence, we have Table Talk Radio points to offer. Something like that. Right. Uh, that's that's seminarian humor for everyone listening out there. And then we got, in response to that uh, request for uh, help, we we got the following email. Aren't you okay. going to read it? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to read it. I was stalling, so you so uh, I'd have to pull it up. Okay. This is, uh, this is uh, from Mike. <clears throat> I'm not sure where Mike is from. But uh, he says... Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, I don't want to read this thing. Come on. Come on. 
You can do Greetings, it. most august and pious iron preacher, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, shepherd of the most fortunate flock of Hope Lutheran Church of Aurora, Colorado. You guys getting uh, figuring out why Pastor wants me to read this? Salwart defender of the true faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, beloved son of the Missouri Synod, <laughs> slayer of heretical teachings and apostates, frequent theological contributor to the lively dis- discourse on issues, etc., friend and brother to all, <laughs> to all <laughs> who meet him, and bold confessor of the Book of Concord, and to his lowly and humble seminarian co-host. this is how you should introduce every segment i'm joined by the stalwart defender of the true faith of our lord and savior jesus christ (laughs) slayer of heretical teachings and apostates Um, (laughs) friend and brother that's a good one friend and brother who all who meet him this is a great letter mike by the way one thousand points for you yeah mike we we, we've really enjoyed this but okay so (laughs) remind you that this is this is a uh uh, response. In fact, the the subject line is that, uh, my disposition disposition of my points for the John Tetzel fund drive. He says I just donated uh, table, to Table Talk Radio for the Johann Tetzel fundraising drive. I wanted to know Thank if my Table that, Talk Radio way. points could be given to some of my already deceased family members. Deep down, I feel that they need my points far more than I could ever, since I live a good good life and go on pilgrimages and donate to your radio show since i am so pious <laughs> such points would be wasted if granted to me i would only it only makes sense to give these valuable points to others oh yeah they're real valuable if earning table talk radio points for the dead is possible please forward my points to the appropriate divine offices in purgatory through the dedicated communication network located at the <laughs> pope's at cathedral bunker at the Holy See. If it is not possible to grant points to the dead, please forward my points to some pitful sinner who needs the comfort and the points earned. All my works will bring them. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for the humor. We really got a big kick out of that one. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, he, what he's pl- playing off is the medieval system of penance where you could uh, go and if you got a, um, oh, uh, what's it called, uh, indulgence, then you would... Um, you, some of the treasury of merit would be applied to the account of your loved ones in purgatory. Uh, and Mike is now trying to apply Table Talk Radio points to the same. Uh, by the way, that's not how it works, uh, Mike. Sorry to let you know that uh, Table Talk Radio points are given gratuitously. Uh, in other words, they are not by effort or merit, but simply by the grace of our co-host, Evan Gagline. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Never okay. did the world know such a confusion of law and gospel as it did with Table Talk Radio points. It's it's true. It's true. That's, I'm glad we uh, were able to set that straight. Okay, so what which one of these forum posts do you want to talk about? By the way, if you don't know this already, um, on our website, tabletalkradio.org, there's a, a forum. And, and, man, these have been some good discussions coming out of here. And uh, every once in a while we like to pick these up and, and talk about them on the show. So. Are there any particular ones uh, that you want to talk about? Nope. So you just pick one. How much time? We have about four minutes left here, yeah. five minutes left. So I don't know. You better not pick one of the difficult ones. There's some uh, difficult questions on our forum. I read these things and I, oh, man. Oh, here's one. <laughs> um, this, this one's about uh, Jonathan Edwards. Now, we played Name That Theologian not too long ago, and uh, you were reading this Fire and Brimstone sermon 
who turned out to be Jonathan Edwards. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. That was that was back in uh, show thirty two. If you missed that, you can you can go back and listen to it. Uh, but so we have the the following the following post. The presentation of Edwards' preaching in the show was less than fair. It was a shame that he is best remembered for his sinners in the hands of an angry God, as if that was all he ever preached. He also said, Comfort in one sense is to be held forth to sinners under awakening of conscience, i.e. comfort is to be offered to them in Christ, on their fleeing from their present miserable state to him. In sinners in the hands of an angry God, he is preaching the law to a group of people who suppose they were Christians but were self-righteous. But he also preached the gospel to those who were distressed by the law. I suggest really want to understand what Edwards was as a preacher. You obtain John Carrick's The Preaching of Jonathan Edwards and read it. Uh, Edwards, a law preacher, yes, but also a gospel preacher. So what's your response, Pastor? Well, look, at, I mean, I, I'm willing to grant that I don't understand the subtleties of Jonathan Edwards' preaching. He, uh, Jonathan Edwards was a genius, by the way. I, and here's something else I've been noticing lately. I was listening to a couple days ago to Kim Riddlebarger, who's a Calvinist on issues, etc., talking about Calvinism. And he was talking about the doctrine of election, uh, being in Christ, etc., etc. Uh, and uh, the amazing thing to me is it sounded a lot like kind of... Uh, uh, like Karl Barth's understanding of uh, of election, there's a, an election that's in Christ, so that by being in Christ you become part of the elect. Uh, and I began to realize that that um, that there's a, a, a something different in Calvinism than there is in Lutheranism, and it's it's this: uh, Lutherans are always trying to get back to Luther and the Lutheran doctrines and sort out what they were saying and. Um, kind of be there. There's kind of a repristination spirit, but there, it's it's a little bit different in Calvinism. Each each kind of generation of Calvinists will will embrace their own unique understanding of of the doctrines there. And I think Jonathan Edwards, I, I, in other words, it's not just it's not enough to call someone a Calvinist. Uh, you you have to modify it. I mean, each each. Calvinist brings their own kind of, I don't know, flavor to the doctrine, uh, which is really interesting. And I and I will grant that Jonathan Edwards would do such a thing. The preaching of Jonathan Edwards started the first Great Awakening, uh, returned people to the Scriptures, etc., etc. Uh, I keep saying that, etc., etc. Do you like it? It's like no. I'm the king and I, etc., etc., etc. Now. Uh, of course, too, the Calvinists can speak of Jesus. They can speak of the doctrine of justification. They can speak of the vicarious atonement. They can uh, they can get really close uh, on those sorts of things. It's just it's always uh, limited. That's why they have the doctrine of limited atonement because of this um, double double predestination. So so and, that's and we'll we'll pick up right there right after this commercial break. We'll come back finish up talking about Jonathan Edwards and we'll start playing Bumper Sticker Theology. Don't go away. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're talking about a few of our posts on our, on our website at tabletalkradio.org where you can uh, post in our forum. 
Um, we're talking about this particular post about Jonathan Edwards. Um, we, we quoted him, and we're talking about how he was preaching all law. And and uh, one of our listeners posted and said, "Hey, look, he had some, he he preached some gospel sometimes too." Um, my thing though is in the in the public preaching of God's word, Pastor. Do you ever want to preach only God's law and not the gospel, even even if you are uh, uh, preaching to to hardened Christians? Um, is, isn't it also a time to preach law and gospel um, in the public preaching of God's word? Always, yeah, th- that's right. It, um, it, because it, it, the preaching of the law is always for the purpose of bringing people to the gospel. That's what the law is. It's a tutor to bring us to Christ, and so, so uh, Paul teaches us. So all, always, all the time, uh, the the whole purpose of the law is to bring people to the first part of repentance, contrition, and, and then the gospel comes in for the second part, that is faith. So if we don't have the gospel there, then we are not doing what God has called us to do as ministers as ministers of the gospel. Jesus came preaching repentance, uh, that, rep- that you would repent and believe the gospel. Uh, and so the gospel always has to be included. The, 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 the forum post said something interesting too. It said, it's unfortunate that this is the most famous sermon of Jonathan Edwards, but I think it's the most famous sermon of his for a reason, uh, that this kind of encapsulates this, the, the, the Puritan revival spirit. Um, but again, it's only it's only half right in that it only gets us uh, to the law and never uh, and never to the to the universal saving work of Jesus. Okay, I think well, it's really something we have Jonathan Edward fans uh, listening out there. Wow, of, co- of course that that was Thanks. the other listener we didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, we have the, there's all these lurking Calvinists that are uh, hanging around Pirate Christian Radio and some other listening to other Lutherans things. Uh, and you guys just should come on over, you know, just, <laughs> just give it up and <laughs> time to be Lutheran. All right. Bumper sticker theology. This is the game where we look, take a look at some bumper stickers and we discuss their theology. Hence the name. All right. Uh, the first one, uh, this is my, <laughs> my personal favorite. Are you ready? Yeah. The bumper sticker says, are you as close to Jesus as you are to my bumper? <laughs> Oh man! The, <laughs> I don't know. What to, I don't know what to make of that one. It's just funny. You know, it's kind of a. It's kind of like the prophet Jonah. You know how he goes to Nineveh and he's like, uh, "Repent." I don't really like you, but <laughs> repent. It's like, look, you're tailgating me. You're right on my tail. Uh, get off my tail. And Jesus is nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, we can of, talk about this this uh, talk that you hear about being close to Jesus, or your walk with Jesus, or relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and and this, I mean, it has something to do with this game, three ladders. Hey, stay tuned. Next week, we'll be playing the game three, uh, which ladder with uh, with Pastor Swirla as our guest for the first time in the world. We actually know what we're going to be talking about next week. <laughs> yeah, Good but point. we this three ladder business. You know, you uh, the man's always trying to climb up and get close to God, feel close to God. Uh, obtain a, a just a closer walk with thee this sort of thing uh, but we know that the scripture gives us gives us jesus coming down to us the, this is this beautiful passage in romans chapter 9 where it says don't say who will ascend to heaven bring christ down or who will go down to hell to bring him up from the grave but he is near to you in the word that we preach so that christ draws near to us 
uh, in his word and in his sacraments. It's not us drawing near to him. But yeah, I, still, uh, I like that bumper sticker. <laughs> one, one, of my, one of my professors made, a, I thought, a good point uh, in, in class this week. We were talking about this, this um, language of relationship. You know, uh, how's your relationship with God? And he made a good point that, um, that everyone has a relationship with God simply because they're human, because they are created human beings. Everybody has a relationship with God. The only question is, is that relationship a wrathful one or a loving one? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the, is, if we talk about this relationship with God, the thing is we let the unbeliever off the hook as if they don't have a relationship with God. Uh, but you're exactly right. They do. He is their judge. So we can't, uh, so we can't say, do you have a relationship with Jesus? We, ha- we can say, uh, do you have a relationship with Jesus that will result in your eternal damnation <laughs> <laughs> or in your eternal life? Yeah, well, which doesn't quite fit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> it's really small font. <laughs> well, are you close enough? That's what people will be tailgating you to read your bumper sticker because you're going to have uh, like Article Four, the Augsburg Confession, printed out there. <laughs> Thirteen point font. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, this next one I don't even know what to. I'll just throw it out there and let you talk. Um, it says libertarian Christian. Jesus didn't die for the state. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that? Well, let's just take the statement: um, Jesus didn't die for the state. Okay. I mean, Jesus died for all people. We know that he he yes. took away. He, Jesus died for humanity. In fact, in a way, he died for all of creation. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna fix everything uh, in the resurrection. But what he has by his death now is the forgiveness of sins by faith uh, for his church. So there is a there is a distinction, not a separation, but a distinction between the church and state. We talk about the two kingdoms, uh, the right hand kingdom of God and the left hand kingdom of God. The the right hand kingdom uh, is the is the church where Jesus rules and reigns through His Word and through His sacraments in a humble way. In the left hand kingdom, we have the state where Jesus rules and reigns with the authority that He distributes among mankind. Now it's only in so it's true that it's only in the right-hand kingdom that the blood of Jesus and the death of Jesus matters, that, it, uh, the, that it's having its effect, that it's doing what it's properly to do, that it's forgiving sins. And yet it's the same Jesus who died on the cross who rules in the state, and he does all things there for the church. Now, what I think this is then arguing is that, uh, I, and I don't understand libertarianism as well as I ought to, but I think that just the general gist of it is that you you do not legislate morality, uh, that morality doesn't come into your kind of um, your scheme of government. But I don't think that that can be, uh, if that is the premise, I don't think it can be sustained simply because every single law is uh, is a legislation of morality. When someone says, "Hey, uh, you shouldn't steal my carrots," uh, that's making a moral judgment that. St- stealing is wrong and that the carrots that you plant and grow belong to you and all these sorts of things these are moral judgments so every legislation is a legislation of morality now we, do we have time for this to should I keep going on yeah go ahead uh, we don't see Jesus as the lawgiver as the as a new Moses as someone who comes to give us kind of legislation but we can in the scriptures see that the Lord has given certain gifts in creation and that we ought to uphold those gifts. And I think that's what's going on here. 
uh, the trouble with the with the libertarians, and I and I think that's what's behind this bumper sticker. I was for, listening to. Oh, sorry. No, no, for not having thought of it, that's as good as I can do. Okay, um, I was listening to a talk by John Warwick Montgomery on Pirate Christian Radio, actually, and uh, he was talking about how Christians shouldn't uh, legislate morality because. Um, with the, with, he made the exception for life, you know, with life you, you have to, you know, but you know, things like homosexual marriage, um, you shouldn't legislate your morality because the goal is eventually to, um, proclaim the gospel and, and so that they will be saved. And so by our legislating morality, it hardens that, that process simply because we've, we've thrown, um, our views down their necks through the through the state. How do you re, how do you respond to that? Well, look, it depends. I mean, you, we we all have different vocations. So as as far as we are Christians, we don't try to legislate morality. As far as we are Christians, we try to love our neighbor, and and speak the gospel as uh, we are given opportunity. As far as we're citizens, though, we Christian citizens, we do try to uh, hold our government accountable and to see that the gifts that God gives in the Ten Commandments and in creation are protected by the laws. I mean, it's just part of what we do as citizens. So uh, it's a difficult time sometimes to say, well, am I now acting as a citizen or, or am I acting as a Christian neighbor? Uh, but look, maybe that's not so confusing because always we're there to love our neighbor. And that's precisely what uh, the law is to do, is to protect uh, our neighbor there. So, yeah, I can't I can't go for that. We, we have to see that the Lord has given his gifts and that insofar as we don't rejoice in them and and break them the, the ten commandments can only be broken for so long until they start to break back uh, and so it's true with the sixth commandment uh, and marriage and family it's true with the fifth commandment and life it's true with the fourth commandment and the authorities that god have, that god has given it's it's true with the seventh commandment and the gift of possessions they, these commandments can only be broken for so long uh, before they begin to 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 wreck havoc back Okay, well, let's go to a uh, commercial break, and we'll take another look at another uh, bumper sticker when we get back, and we'll head right into Name That Theologian. I think I'm going to win this time, by the way, Pastor. Uh, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> More Table Talk Radio after this. Don't go away. And also, don't forget to give us a call on our phone line. Uh, toll-free number for you to call, 866-851-5523. Leave a message for us, and we will get to your uh, questions and comments in a timely fashion. 866-851-5523. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio. Back to Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of playing bumper sticker theology, and we just read this this last one: libertarian Christian. Jesus didn't die for the state. And uh, Pastor Wolfram there has has uh, has a little bit more to say on that. So please go. Yeah, as, uh, just as we talk about church and state, one of the things we want to make clear is that we don't trust in the state. I mean, look, states rise and fall. Uh, the United States a couple hundred years ago wasn't, and, and who knows how long the Lord will have it around, and then it won't be again, and another state will take its place if the Lord doesn't return. 
So we don't trust in the state. The churches, we have the promise from Jesus that the gates of hell won't prevail against it and that it will always be. But we don't have that same promise for the state. So while we work to serve our neighbor and love each other in the state, we don't put our trust and our hope in it. Uh, we know that they come, the states come and go, um, uh, but that the, the gospel and the church always remain. So just to clarify that last point. All right, and then I have another one for you. It's a bumper sticker that simply says, Refuse the mark. <laughs> Refuse the mark. I, you know what would be good is to talk to people who have these bumper stickers. You know, <laughs> what, yeah. what was going through your mind when you, uh, when you went and bought that bumper sticker? <laughs> I hope they didn't pay for it with a credit card, because that's the mark, right? The mark of the beast, or uh, oh yeah, right, right. That the uh, that the bumper sticker didn't have a little um, what are those lines that you scan to barcodes? Oh, barcode. Yep. I hope the bumper sticker didn't have a barcode on the back. <laughs> because <laughs> that is also apparently the mark of the beast although the most recent one i heard the mark of the beast is this little uh this little chip that you can implant in your dog so that if it gets lost people can find it you know or, yeah one. or or i heard the credit cards that you can just wave in front of the reader and it, it deducts rather than you know having to actually swipe it yeah yeah that's the mark of the beast this comes <laughs> This comes from the book of Revelation where it says that the beast will give everyone a mark and that uh, no one will be able to buy or to sell apart from the mark of the beast. And it talks about, this is then simply the economic persecution of, uh, uh, of Christians. So, uh, one of the dangers in our interpretation of the book of Revelation is that we interpret it so that it can only be about us and not about anybody else. So that it was just a useless book for the people in between Jesus and us. Uh, and we do that when we, when you take things like the locusts and you say, oh, those are the Blackhawk helicopters, or uh, what's the other, the chariots, the, those are tanks, or this is nuclear war, this sort of thing. You kind of, you you uh, you watch a couple hours of the History Channel special on Nostradamus and get you all pumped up to interpret the Book of Revelation. You know, that's not how we want to do it. Uh, the Book of Revelation is giving us the comfort that no matter what kind of persecution comes against the church on this earth, be it economic or social or political or, or legal or, or spiritual persecution, that Jesus is still the Lamb who was slain for us and he still sits on the throne and still he's worshipped in heaven by all the saints there and, and he will come back for us and he will have us in the perfection of the resurrection. That's, what, that's the comfort that the book is given. And I am getting sick and tired of these books that are selling and preachers that are preaching that, you know, they by reading such and such in the Bible, they can predict these huge events that are coming up. I am, you know, and it's always, <laughs> it's always in hindsight. You know, when 9-11 happened, I knew that was coming. Why did you do anything about it? <laughs> That's right. You, know, you got to tell your professors to stop assigning those kind of books for class. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good thing no one listens to this program. We'd probably get in trouble. All right, you want to play Name That Theologian? Yeah, bring it. All right, you go first because you have more than me. I do? Yes. Do you only have one? Yes. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. This one is so easy. Oh, man, it's easy. Quotation number one. Oh, people of the Scripture. Do not exaggerate in your religion, nor utter aught concerning Allah, save the truth. 
The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was only a messenger of Allah, and his word which he conveyed unto Mary and a spirit from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers, and say not three. Cease. It is better for you. Allah is only one God. Far is it removed from his transcendent majesty that he should have a son. He, uh, his is all that is in the heavens and all is in the earth. And Allah is sufficient as defender. Okay, uh, I'm not sure yet, but so far I don't think he's a Lutheran. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you, do you have other a, ones? You want me to yeah, guess? Yeah, I've, no, I've got a couple more here. Uh, it okay. befitteth not the majesty of Allah that he should take unto himself a son, glory be to him. When he decreeth a thing, he saith, saith unto it only, be, and it is. And okay. finally, and argue not, this is interesting, you go listen closely to this one here, and argue not with the people of the scripture, unless it be in a way that is better, save with such of them as do wrong, and say, we believe in that which hath been revealed unto us, and revealed unto you, our God and your God is one, and unto him we surrender. Okay, so uh, I'm supposed to guess. That that reminded me, by the way. Um, you know that part where it talks about um, to not argue with the people of the Scripture? Yes. Well, I was reading uh, in our large catechism, and, and I found out that, uh, according to Luther, I don't have to uh, talk about infant baptism anymore. Because right here in the large catechism it says, here a question arises uh, by which the devil, through his sex, confuses the world, infant baptism. Do children also believe? Are they rightly baptized? Briefly we say about this, let the simple dismiss this question from their minds. Refer it to the learned. So I don't have to talk about infant baptism anymore. Because you're the simple? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, I won't argue the point. <laughs> Just yeah, <laughs> okay. I no, think no. this person. No, no, you, uh, seminary and gag line are the learned. Oh man. <sighs> okay. Um. What about uh, Muhammad? Is that who this is? True, it is Muhammad. Mo- the people Muhammad. of the book. What gave so it away? He... <laughs> um. Uh. <laughs> that that uh, Jesus was then um was was then pointing towards Allah. Uh, I think that was a dead giveaway. Did I tell you um, and our dear listeners about my visit to the imam the other day? Did I ever talk about that? No, go ahead. I went to talk to the imam. Story time uh, with Pastor yeah, Brian. Wolf-Miller. That's right. And one of the things I was wrong about that he corrected me was, I, uh, you know how this there's all this nonsense in amongst uh, us Missouri Synod Lutherans about do Christians and Muslims pray to the same God? And the answer is from the Christian? Well, of course not. You got to be kidding me. Uh, and I and I had always responded to that by saying, "Well, why don't you go ask a Muslim if they think that they pray to the same God as us?" And they'll tell you, "No. Are you crazy? Of course we don't." So I did. I went to the Muslim and I asked him. I said, "Do we pray to the same God?" And he said, uh, "Which is was so great surprise to me." He said, "Yeah, we do." And he quoted this surah, surah uh, thirty uh, twenty nine, verse forty six. It says. Uh, our God and your God is one, and unto him we surrender. In other words, they believe that we do have the same God. Oh, I had no idea. Hey, so then I... Have... Oh, what's ahead, that? sorry. Uh, so I, I asked them was simply over. the follow-up question. I said, well, now wait a minute. Uh, I pray to Jesus. Do you pray to Jesus? 
And he says, oh, well, no, no, we we don't pray to Jesus, of course. <laughs> so apparently, you know, of course we don't pray to the same God, but they, they have this idea that this uh, the God, the unity of God is revealed to all the people of the book. Um, we should have a table scraps with one of our uh, experts, and you can tell him that story and, and ask him some questions about that, because I always th- thought the same. Yeah. But alas, we were wrong. So the Muslims do think that they pray to the same God as the Christians, which so Christians have to be especially on their guard then, because they of course deny. This is the problem with the with the Muslim religion. It's a Christian heresy. At least that's how our confessions treat it, not as an independent world religion, but as a Christian heresy that denies the divinity of Jesus. And so, like all Christian heresies that deny the divinity of Jesus, there is nothing. There is no salvation there. So if you want to be forgiven, how about this? If you want to be forgiven by Allah, can you be forgiven? The answer is, well, yeah, but how? It's not through the sacrificial death of Jesus. They, in fact, say that Jesus never died on the cross. So it's not, so forgiveness comes not through the, through, the, through the death of Jesus, but simply by the decree of Allah. Like it said in one of those quotes, he says, it is and it is. So that, so that Allah will just decide to forgive someone and not decide to forgive someone else. In other words, there's no way that you can know that you're forgiven. And and this is a key, because if you can know that you're forgiven, that means that Allah has made himself a slave. In other words, he has given you a promise and that he's bound to keep. And now he, because he becomes bound to keep a promise, uh, he becomes your slave. And you oh, can't, no. God can't be a slave. He has to always be free. So, uh, uh, so that forgiveness has to be just this kind of, um, oh, what's the word? Just this decree uh, with, which has no cause at all. And so you can never know if you're going to be saved. The only way, the only promise of salvation connected uh, in the Muslim faith is this, if you die in, uh, in, in, in fighting jihad, and then for some reason all bets are off and you have this promise of paradise, etc., but otherwise, uh, you can't have this forgiveness bound to a certain thing, even given in a, as a promise, because because then it destroys the freedom of God. Isn't that interesting? That, yeah, very good. Um, By the way, for you, when is I don't know when this airs, but we're going to have a symposium on Islam on May the sixteenth here in Aurora, Colorado, uh, and we're going to have a number of uh, Dr. Francisco from the seminary and uh, Deacon Shaquille Nazami from Peshawar, Pakistan, and Steve Hine from Colorado Springs is going to come up and talk about the crusade. And we're going to have an all-day discussion about the uh, about Islam uh, and how to speak, how to reach out to our Islamic neighbors and all of this. So if anyone's interested, uh, then give me a call or shoot me an email, and I'll get you the details of that, too. All right, and we need to go to a break, and we'll finish up playing Name That Theologian right after this commercial break. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing Name That Theologian. And I don't know if we'll have time to play uh, What's in Your Pastor's Library, but um, that's okay. But hey, we were, we were just gotten talking about uh, how you went and talked to uh, a Muslim, and they, and they in fact Imam said Imam Muhammad. Oh, sorry, whatever. This is um, 
Uh, but anyway, I was reading in the Catholic Catechism across the section that says the church and non-Christians. Do you know about this part? Uh, a little bit, what, yeah. What is the relationship of the church with the Jewish people? And then it talks about the Muslims second. But the Jewish people, when she delves into her own menis, uh, mystery, the church, the people of God in the New Covenant discovers her link with the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. The Jewish faith, unlike other non-Christians, uh, other non-Christian religions, is already a response to God's revelation in the Old Testament. The Jews belong uh, to the Jews belong the sonship, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and the, and of their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. For for the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And then uh, the church's relationship to the Muslims. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place, among whom are the Muslims, who profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. There you go. So isn't it interesting that that you know the Catholics will condemn the Lutherans for believing in in uh, faith alone, but that there's. There's hope and salvation for the Jews and the Muslims, according to the, according to uh, paragraphs uh, 839 and 840 in the Catholic Catechism. Yeah, there's some irony there, isn't it? Oh, this, the devil hates the gospel. We 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 had this question. Um, we were up in Wyoming a few d- days ago at this evangelism conference, and there's this question about why are all of these great godless people of all time the children of Lutheran pastors? <laughs> Like, uh, I, I think if I remember right, the two examples given were Karl Marx and Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Uh, and, uh, and I think the answer has to be, you know, just pretend you're a diamond thief. This is the, uh, how I gave the answer there. Pretend you're a diamond thief. If you are a diamond thief, you don't have to pretend. Just think about what you really are. <laughs> but for the rest of you, pretend and think to yourself, all right, now I can, I'm going to go steal some diamonds, and I can either go to the, uh, I can go to my grandmother who has one diamond uh, lost in this huge pile of fake jewelry, or I can go to the diamond store. And I happen to know that the diamond store, which has all these diamonds, also stopped hiring security guards, so there's no one to protect them. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to the diamond store. Well, this is exactly what the devil is. And and all the other churches have the gospel, but it's hidden um, amongst all of this other stuff. I mean, it's in the scriptures, it's in the creed, but it's confused. Law and gospel is mixed up. In the Lutheran church, we have the, the law and the gospel uh, rightly divided, uh, uh, the, distinguished from one another. We have the all of these diamonds of, of, of the true doctrine and the true teaching, and we have basically stopped guarding that truth because we consider it to be uncool to defend doctrine, etc., etc. So, so that there it is again, etc., etc., etc. So that the devil, of course, is going to be coming after the Lutheran Church. I mean, that just makes sense. Uh, and so we yeah, see that the good analogy. I'm going to go steal some churches now. Yeah, if you want to, by the way, send diamonds to Table Talk Radio, you can send it to the address. And lots what are you going to do with them? Uh, so, so this is why the, <laughs> the Lutheran Church is especially, especially persecuted church. And, and so it, does, it makes a little bit of sense when you see the Roman Catholics kind of rubbing shoulders with the, with the Muslims and the, and the Jewish people, and, then, and still these condemnations of the Lutherans are their anathema, you, faith alone anathema. Brother, 
Yep, I know it. Well, I've got a theologian for you uh, from two different works, though, so I'm giving you more of an overview. All right, I'm ready? ready. John means this, the coming of Christ into the world through the gospel by which grace is offered without works being required creates for all men the truly splendid opportunity of being sons of God, if they will believe it. But this willing and believing on his name is something of which free will had no previous knowledge or conception. So much the, the less can it be that by it's our own strength. How could reason conceive that faith in Christ as the Son of God and the Son of Man, Son of Man was necessary, when even at this day it can neither grasp nor believe, though the whole creation should cry aloud and there is a person who is both God and man? Okay, that's quote number one. All right. Uh, so there's this business of um, John, uh, Jesus coming to give life. There's no mention of forgiveness, but that's our, I mean, it seems to be dwelling on John. Uh, receiving Jesus is not something that our free will can accomplish. That's how I took what that was saying there. So let's see what else comes next. Okay. We find many who pray fast, establish endowments, and do this and that, lead a good life in the sight of their fellow man. And yet, were you not to ask them if they were quite certain that they were, uh, what they were doing was well-pleasing to God, they would say no. They do not know, or at least they are uncertain. There are some very learned men who lead them astray and tell them it is not necessary to be certain of this. And yet, these learn, learned men do nothing else but teach good works. Okay, so that's quote number two. So that, and this is a great theme, by the way, of Luther, is that do you know if your good works are pleasing to God? And the problem is we don't. We don't know that. We can never be certain or sure of it. So this the question of certainty comes in here, and uh, and people are are trying to preach certainty, but they can't give it. Uh, so this sounds like a this is kind of a, coming to a, a, a Lutheran theme there. Um, but it doesn't sound exactly like Luther, so let's have another one. All right, here it is. Now it may be well that if these things are done with such faith that we believe they please God, then there are then they are praiseworthy, not because of their virtue, but because they because of that very faith which all works are of equal value, as has been said. But if we have any doubt about it, or we do not believe that God is gracious to us and pleased with us, or if we promise to please him first and then foremost by good works, then it is all pure deception. Yeah, so it's by faith that our works are acceptable to God, and by doubt our works become unacceptable to God. This, again, is a, is a strong theme that you hear in Luther, and I just don't know who else can talk like this. I, I mean, I'm kind of tempted to say a later Lutheran theologian like... Um, uh, like Gerhard or um, um, Krauth, P.T. Krauth, or uh, uh, even uh, even Walther. Uh, maybe Walther. He was a great Luther repristinator, so he had really the spirit. It's got to be a it's got to be a Lutheran. If it's not a Lutheran, I'm going to be shocked, and I'm going to go and read this guy. Um, what I'm going to say, Walther. That is incorrect. Oh man, 
All right. You want another guess, or do I try to tell well, you? Well, then I'll have to say Luther himself. Was it Luther? It is Luther himself. All right. The, the first quote was from Bondage of the Will, and the second two were uh, from his Treatise on Good Works of 1520. 1520. Treatise on Good Works. There you go. Wait, now, were you reading out of the American edition? I was of reading Luther's out works? of the Selected Writings of Martin Luther by Fortress Press. Okay, got it. As as translated by Tappard. <laughs> got it. Well, there it is, Luther. He, he, uh, how, how do our good works become good? He, this is, uh, you just remember, dear dear listener, I've, I've said dear listener a couple times too, this show, dear listener, that it's... Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Hebrews 11.6, <laughs> apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. So that if if we are to be pleasing to him, it will be by faith. By faith in the promise that he uh, loves us and sent his son Jesus to die for us. Uh, and that because of him, he forgives us all of our sins. That's that's how we become pleasing to God. So faith puts us uh, uh, puts us in the in Christ, in his righteousness, in his forgiveness, and in his blood, which covers all of our sins. Amen. And I think that's about all the time we have for Table Talk Radio Ooh. this week. So you lucked out. We don't have to play what's in your pastor's library. I don't want to, you know, I'm always afraid what I'm going to find when we play that game. I've already showed that I have the Koran here, reading from that. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, where you can visit uh, or listen to some of our, our past shows, um, including some of the, the shows that we talked about in this episode. I'm right there on our podcast page. Also, we have some articles for you to read, um, and also our forum and our phone number, 866-851-5523. And there's a great interview with Dr. James Nestigan about the Law, Gospel, Ten Commandments, and Social Ethics under the uh, Table Scraps section. So check that out as well, uh, and let us know what you think. Oh, that's old. Everybody knows about that by now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. See you next time. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.